From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Good to meet you, Daddy. I'm your illegitimate child, Bill Curtis. And here's your host, who just remembered he left half a tuna sandwich in the office fridge six months ago. It's Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. And thanks once more to our fake audience, which this week is a recording of the crowd responding four years ago when Jeb Bush asked them to please clap. Later on, we're going to be talking to the legendary chemistry teacher turned murderous drug lord Walter White himself, the actor Brian Cranston, who in real life is an extremely nice man who's never murdered anyone, which, let's face it, is kind of a letdown. But we don't care who you've killed or not. When you give us a call to play our games, the number is one wait wait That's one 924 8924 Let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Warren Frankenberger from Wilmington, Delaware. From Wilmington, Delaware? Yes. <laughs> have you have you been by Joe Biden's basement to see how he's doing? No, um, I'm not quite sure where he lives. Uh, we can't go anywhere near there. and But I do hear that he uh, sometimes hangs out a charcoal pit. What is What is the charcoal pit? It's um, it's some barbecue place that apparently he frequents. This is a rumor, though. I'm not I can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> right. OK. All right. I, you clearly have adopted his style of speech. Well, uh, well, you know, <laughs> welcome to the show, Warren. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First up, he has a podcast called Urgent Care, and you can see him on this season of Search Party. It's Joel Kim Booster. Hello, Warren. Hi. Next, an author and humorist who continues to defy the gods by not having his own podcast, Tom Podette. Hey, Warren. <laughs> Hi there. And finally, we're delighted to welcome back to the show the co-host of the Another Round podcast and the host of MailChimp's Going Through It Season 2 and the upcoming podcast back issue, Tracy Clayton. Hi, Warren. Happy pandemic. I'm not wearing pants. Oh, oh my. Warren, welcome (laughs) to the show. You're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to read you three quotations from this week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain just two of them, you will win our prize. Any voice from our show you might choose on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? I am ready. All right. Here is your first quote. There has to be someone who the day after they're picked is prepared to be president. That was Joe Biden acknowledging that the big job requirement of what job is to take over his job. Uh, Vice president? Yeah, vice president, of course. Joe Biden is very close to announcing his running mate, which is great because if he waits any longer, we're going to find out in the voting booth. He's promised to pick a female vice presidential candidate. That's very exciting. There are lots of really qualified candidates in the mix in the conversation, but you know the Democrats are just going to blow it and pick Tim Kaine again. (laughs) (laughs) When when he says they need to be prepared to be president the day after they're announced, is like he not feeling well? Well, I mean... I feel like he knows. I feel like he knows what we know and he just like, this is y'all's next president. Once I gotta tap out, this is who you get. We all know that if he's elected, Joe Biden will be the oldest president ever to be inaugurated. And so everybody must know the weight on the vice president. In fact, we're told that the very first question they asked the potential candidates in their interviews was, so where do you see yourself in about a year? (laughs) Okay, so a weird thing I've been doing is watching old presidential debates that, like, I either can't remember or... I don't know. I'm just weird. You know that Netflix that is a exists, little weird. right, Tracy? Like, I do, and that's what's weird so many about great it. Shows. I know. <laughs> I make bad decisions. I told y'all this. So, like, what have you learned watching old presidential debates? I've learned that since Joe Biden was in debates, he's not been able to remember people's names. 
states names. So you don't think it's a decline that we're talking about with Joe Biden? You think he's always been kind of this way? Yeah, I do. I guess I personally would like a president that remembers the names of states. Um, But that's, you know, that's just me. Same. I I share those same high hopes. I want a handsome (laughs) president again. No shade to Joe Biden, but I miss... Joe Biden is a good-looking fella. Well, I mean, he's got... He paid a lot of money for that hair and teeth, Tracy. Sure, sure. Which I respect, but when I'm ovulating, I need, like, instant, (laughs) you know. All right. Your next quote was tweeted out Thursday by an anti-gun group. Sending thoughts and prayers. Now, that was from March for Our Lives. They were offering their support to an organization that was targeted by prosecutors in New York and Washington this week. Who are we talking about? That would be the NRA. Exactly right, the NRA. The New York Attorney General announced that she is suing to dissolve the National Rifle Association because it has violated dozens and dozens of rules about running a charity, to which we say, wait, the NRA is a charity? What? Well, it is. Haven't you heard of 1877 Guns for Kids? <laughs> or their program for seniors, Guns oh, on can Wheels? We sing that? The executives of the NRA uh, have now been accused of stealing more than $60 million <laughs> from the members who thought they were donating to protect gun rights, uh, but ended up paying for Wayne LaPierre's luxury lifestyle. So <laughs> That's our robbery. Was, yeah, their motto is now they can have my gum when they pry it from my cold, dead, expensively manicured hands. <laughs> Well, at least men are getting manicures now a little bit. I'm looking for the silver lining. It's not his fault, though. If you're named Wayne LaPierre, you just kind of have to be evil. Either that or the world's fanciest hillbilly. That's closer to it, I think. But here's the thing about this whole scandal. So these guys are now being accused of misusing their funds instead of for what they're donated for. But we want people to be misusing their funds. You don't want them to use the funds for what they're donated for. Have another summer home, Wayne. (laughs) All right, Warren, here is your last quote. This is a real moment to address our comfort. It's time to free the leg. That was a man named Matt Nicholson speaking for millions when he told the Washington Post that he is done with what item of clothing? Oh, um, I want to maybe guess with this. Um, I don't know, his pants? Yes, specifically what kind of pants? Um, I, uh, jeans, I don't know. <laughs> yes, jeans, exactly right. All clothing sales are off, but sales of jeans have fallen off a cliff. Four brands have declared bankruptcy. Levi's has lost more than half its revenue. Fashion industry analysts say this is because jeans are terrible. But if they're so uncomfortable, why did we all keep wearing them all the time? Because our butts look really good in them. Is that it? Yes. If you know what size you are, they're pretty comfortable. That's why I like jeggings, okay? (laughs) You got to get some fleece jeggings up Mm. on your body, and you'll never go back to regular jeans again. the shape, none of the restriction, feels like you're wearing pajamas. Do they have the little stirrups on them so that they don't crawl up your legs, or is that... Oh, no, but I love that you remember stirrups. Yeah, (laughs) and that's a brilliant idea. You should take that to Shark Tank, Tom. You really should. I didn't invent it. I I see these women at the grocery store. It must be something that's just available in rural America, perhaps. Yes. In fact, people instead of jeans, people are wearing sweatpants or, quote, athleisure wear. But let's be honest, there's no ath involved. It's just leisure wear or lesion wear 
or depression wear, surrender wear. Do you guys dress normally every day or you just lounge around in your pajamas? I like to. Sometimes I like to dress up for me and then I like to take me out to dinner and then I like to talk to me uh, (laughs) over candlelight and then I like to do some other stuff with me that I won't mention on public radio, okay? On the first date? On the first date. I'm very easy. (laughs) (laughs) I love the liberation. Bill, how did Warren do in our quiz? Warren knocked him out of the park. Congratulations. Very good, Warren. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Joel, coronavirus fears have led a pub in Spain to ban what on the premises? Kissing. No. Drinking. That would be counterproductive. Well, you know, these questions are usually ridiculous. Peter, That's true. So you usually have to go if to the a, most ridiculous I will, place. If a, pub, if a pub banned drinking to fight the coronavirus, we would certainly <laughs> mention it on the show. I will grant you that point. What's the clue? Well, give me a clue. All right. No more reaching out. No more touching you. And oh. certainly no more touching me. A handshake. No. Touching me. Touching each other. No, come on. That hint was so good. So good. So good. That's a song. What song is it? Uh, My Caroline? No, no, good enough. It's Sweet Caroline. Sweet and I will Caroline. give it to you, Joe. Yes. The Neil Diamond classic Sweet Caroline is now officially life-threatening, even more than it's always been. The chorus, of course, of the song is touching hands, reaching out, touching me, oh. touching you, oh. though nobody gets to the last line because they're already on a ventilator. So Murphy's <laughs> Irish Bar in Coralejo, Spain, they've posted signs banning the song until the pandemic is over. By the way, the lyric warm touching warm is still allowed because the song has been around for 40 years and nobody has any idea what that means. Do I they not ideas. really? I, I got some ideas. I think we know what that means, right? We're all I didn't, You think I didn't Neil Diamond was getting was... freaky? Is that what you're saying? I mean, Neil Diamond is a human being. Warm touching warm. Let's be grownups here. Now, I did not realize that that was a song that people played or heard outside of weddings. Um, oh, that is the on- that is my only experience with that song. This is your problem, Joel. You have to get with old heterosexual male culture because <laughs> we are cutting edge. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Honestly, Joel, I don't recommend it. I think I think you're okay. <laughs> I don't think we need that. <laughs> we can only assume this is bad news for fans of other songs like Lean on Me, Close to You, Dancing Until You Cough in My Mouth, and I Want to Hold Your Hydroxychloroquine. Well, the aging, straight, white, Gentile male community, we have our customs. We do. You love a callback in a song. You love to add lyrics to a song that did not exist in exactly. the actual song. So good. So good. So good. Stop it. Wait. Is that not in the real song? People no. yell No. No, it's Peter made that up. People No, I did not like make that Peter up. Peter made that right. up. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sting has already bought a new boat with the royalties from Don't Stand So Close to Me. <laughs> Coming up, our panelists narrowly avoid jail time in our Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the Walton Family Foundation, where opportunity takes root. More information is available at waltonfamilyfoundation.org. We're only months away from Election Day, and every week 
or even every few hours, there's a new twist that could affect who will win the White House. To keep up with the latest, tune in to the NPR Politics Podcast every day to find out what happened and what it means for the election. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Tom Bodette, Tracy Clayton, and Joel Kim Booster. And here again is your host, the last person in America still making sourdough bread, (laughs) Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Right now, it's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call 1-888-WAIT-WAIT to play our game in the air. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Daryl from Greenwich, Connecticut. Hey, I know where Greenwich is. What do you do there? I'm the e-government coordinator for the town of Westport, Connecticut. Wow. Westport, Connecticut. It's a, it's quite a fancy place, if I remember. I've been through there once or twice. Are you dealing with people complaining about their neighbor's peacock herd? <laughs> Stuff like that? It's a lovely part of the uh, eastern seaboard. <laughs> All right, the residents of Westport have the same problems the rest of us do. I shouldn't make stereotypes. I'm sorry. Are peacocks native to... <laughs> Any place? Well, they have to be native to some place. They no, came from somewhere. Yeah. They're terrible. They're awful. I got chased by one once at the zoo, and I've never forgotten it. <laughs> Daryl, welcome to the show. You're going to play our game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what's Daryl's topic? The letter of the law. Sometimes you have to bend the law, like to feed your family, or when there's a really nice watch you really have to have. Our panelists are going to tell you about someone figuring out a clever way to stay within the letter of the law while doing what they want. Pick the one who's telling the truth, and you'll win our prize, the wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? Yep. All right. Your first story comes from Tracy Clayton. A park in Pennsylvania has become the unexpected battleground of a war between one man and the Department of Parks and Recreation. When the city of Doylestown banned dogs in a small park favored for sitting by the town's older residents, one man got mad and then he got busy. Veterinarian Matt Bradston set up shop at the park's entrance wearing a white lab coat and holding a large magnifying glass near a sign that said free pet evaluations. Word soon spread that Braxton was inspecting the dogs of passersby wishing to use the park and officially recategorizing them as other animals to get around the ban. For example, does your dog completely ignore you until it's time to eat and intentionally hurt your feelings at least once a day? Boom. Your dog is a cat. (laughs) Is he really big? Like, too big? Like, uncomfortably big? He's actually a baby whale. And then we have a park full of happy animals that are definitely not dogs. (laughs) A park in Pennsylvania where you can get your dog into a park where they're not supposed to be by simply having a man decide they're not a dog, officially. Your next story of someone being technically law-abiding comes from Tom Bodette. Chad and Amelia Farnham spent their entire 40-year marriage deeply in love and settled in their modest row house in San Francisco's Sunset District. When Amelia passed away after a long illness, Chad proceeded to make good on his promise to bury her in the backyard garden where they had spent so much time together. After being told by city officials that San Francisco does not allow people to bury other people in their gardens, the undaunted Farnham asked, What if I don't bury her in the garden? The puzzled official replied, That's what we would like. Farnham knew the city's dire housing shortage made accessory apartments very easy to get permitting for. 
The attached apartment, made of brick and carved marble facing, features a long padded concrete daybed that houses the not buried in the garden remains of Mrs. Farnham, along with a small kitchen and bath. <laughs> Several pleasant months later, Farnham was visited by a city inspector who informed him he must rent out the permitted apartment for at least six months of the year in order to avoid stiff penalties. Stiff penalties were exactly what he was trying to avoid, so he went about finding people willing to share space with his beloved while in her present condition. It was disturbingly easy. The first renters stayed a month, said they never slept better, said I should call the place over my dead body. Amelia would love that, so I did, and people went nuts. Farnham is making an extra four grand a month and has short-term renters lined up for two years. The city leaves him alone, and his tenants allow him to come in any time he wants to spend time with the love of his life. We are having the best time with this, said Farnham. I can hardly wait to start the addition for my place. <laughs> A man gets around the rules for burying people in his backyard by building an apartment. And since it's San Francisco, everybody wants to move in. Your last story of legal loopholing comes from Joel Kim Booster. While possessing small amounts of marijuana is now legal in Maine, it's still illegal to have it delivered. A tricky problem to get around if you're trying to shelter in place, or in a more likely scenario, you're already too stoned to leave the house. But Incredibles.me, the finest psychic lost pot recovery service in Portland, Maine, are here to help. Just tell them exactly what kind of weed you lost, how much of it you misplaced, and they'll find it using their psychic powers. Don't remember losing any weed? No problem. Trust me, they'll find it. They're that good. Incredibles.me claims their service is legal in, quote, their opinion, and further, quote, we are not scofflaws. We respect the men and women in blue who protect this state. Now read that sentence again and imagine them winking while they say it, and you might have a better picture of what kind of psychics we're dealing with here. There are some limitations to their powers. For instance, they're unable to locate lost weed for those under the age of 21 or those who lost their weed within a thousand foot radius of a school. Plus, remember, all this is only legal in, quote, their opinion. For now, at least, it seems to be a perfectly victimless con. As of showtime, the website is still up. Maybe the one true supernatural miracle to be found in this story. All right, so these are your choices, Daryl. Uh, from Tracy Clayton, a park that banned dogs that are filled with dogs, but the dogs, it turns out, are actually other kinds of animals, according to the guy giving out certificates at the entrance. From Tom Baudet, a man who managed to bury his wife in his backyard just by building her an apartment for her corpse and other people who want to rent it. Or from Joel Kim Booster, a psychic service that can't sell you weed, but will find the weed you mysteriously lost for a set price. Which of these is the real story of some people who are very clever about getting around the rules? Well, they're all pretty wacky stories there, Peter, uh, but I'm going to have to go with Incredibles.me. You're going to choose Joel's story of the pot shop that doesn't sell you weed, but merely finds the weed that you lost through their psychic powers. Well, to bring you the correct answer, we spoke to a lawyer specializing in the rules that are being broken. If you've lost your marijuana, you call them. They send in a psychic, and the psychic figures out where you misplaced your marijuana. That, of course, was Hannah King, a partner at the law firm of Drummond Woodsum in Maine and the founder and head of the firm's regulated substances practice. Talking about the psychic weed locators. Congratulations. You got it right. Joel was telling the truth. He earned a point for him. You've won our prize. 
the voice of your choice on your voicemail. Congratulations, you did great. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Tracy, Tom, Joel. Congratulations. Nice to you. Thank you. It. Take care. Stay safe. Bye-bye. And now the game where we ask people who've done a lot to do just a little bit more. It's called Not My Job. So you're casting a delightful new children's movie and you need a lovable circus ringleader. Who do you turn to but the homicidal meth kingpin from Breaking Bad? Brian Cranston will not be typecast. He's starring in the new movie The One and Only Ivan on Disney+. Plus. We are delighted that he's joining us here. Brian Cranston, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Peter. Good to be here. It's great to talk to you. I've been a fan for a very long time. Um, but first of all, we heard that you actually came down with COVID. Is that right? I did. I did early on in, in March, but I was very lucky. My wife and I both got it around the same time and uh, our symptoms were very mild. We had a little bit of achiness and about a week of extreme lethargy. I, I have to ask, I did not hear that you had the illness until quite recently. And uh, But other celebrities have gotten sick and got like international headlines where you were a little like, Jealous of Tom Hanks getting all the yeah. sympathy? I mean, he's not, you know. he's no crybaby like Hanks. Yeah. I mean, not going to go running to the cameras. <laughs> you know, I, I just didn't think the world needed another celebrity saying, hey, but I had it too. <laughs> One of the things I admire about you so much is that you spent a lot of years in the trenches. Your success was not early, to put it mildly. So you did a lot of like, you know, yeoman's work as an actor. Yeah. Did you ever have to work like odd jobs to support yourself in those early years? I did. When I had to, I loaded trucks for Roadway International in downtown Los Angeles. This is 1980. Um, were you of use on sets, you know, when the when the gaffers and the grips were like, oh, we got to move this. And it walks, walks over the star and says, oh, I can handle it. Well, this. I'll tell you what it has done, Peter. It, it has taught me how to load a dishwasher better than anyone I've ever met. <laughs> really? I'm telling you, because... <laughs> Our, our foreman used to come around and they, they would always only refer to you by your last name. Like, Cranston, come on, you can do better. High and tight, pack it, pack it in. <laughs> you know, and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian, th this has rarely happened. I've, I, I'm always given a list by our intern who does a lot of research and suggests questions. And I'm looking down and I'm seeing a question and I have no idea why they want me to ask you this, but I have to because it's, well, it's provocative. Here's the question that I was told to ask you. What's Charlie Manson like in person? Oh my gosh! Uh, Tell yeah. this. Uh, yeah, that was a weird encounter when I was about nine or ten years old. My mom and my uncle dropped my cousin and I, a female cousin, uh, at the at the Spawn Ranch, and we had been there before. It was a a rental place, so you so we were there. We walk into the office and some younger guy i long hair came running into the office saying charlie's on the hill charlie's on the hill and they jumped on horses men and women and they rode off in a, in a gallop we got our horses and of course we're just clip-clopping away along the same direction they went and about a half an hour later we see this trail of horses coming back toward us and there were a few uh, people on horseback in the front. And then in the middle, a guy who was not holding his reins, but the person in front of him, on the horse in front of him was. And he was just undulating it with the movement of the horse. And we can, wow. his eyes were dark and black. He was a little guy, shoulder length, long hair. And he was just 
zoned out as he was undulating back and forth to the movement of the horse. And as he's passing, my cousin and I were like looking at him. She was in front in her horse and she turned around and she goes, that must be Charlie. And I said, yeah. So flash forward a couple more years and the murder happens uh, and the investigation and then they discover him and all of a sudden, uh, we hear this, we're in a news program. We're at the Spawn Ranch in Simi Valley where uh, Charles Manson and his gang were arrested. And, you know, and they're showing pictures of Charles Manson on the thing. And before I can get to my cousin's calling me and it's like, oh, my God, that, 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 that's him. That's the guy. That's the guy. That's amazing. Did you get any sense of how good he or bad he is at loading a dishwasher, Brian? Good question. Well, good question. You know, he was too loose. He, he's got to be more measured and controlled. And he, he just doesn't seem yeah. like a dishwashing loader guy. Helter Skelter. That's how I describe it. Yeah, he was all Helter Skelter. <laughs> um, one last question before we go to the game, although I think I could talk to you all day. We heard that a very popular tattoo is really realistic versions of, well, your face as Walter White on their bodies. Yeah. Have, have you, you must have encountered that in person. From time yes. To time. Um, some embarrassed me. Uh, I was on a, I wrote a book <laughs> and I was on a book tour and signing autographs of the book afterward. And she goes, would you sign my tattoo? I just, I just got it. I go, well, okay. She lifts up her dress, right? Oh God. <laughs> right next to her panties is my face. Yes. And I, I went, oh, uh, uh. <laughs> just sign it right there. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I'm signing. <laughs> I had to get down on my knees to sign my name on her upper thigh. And I didn't sign on the tattoo. It was below it. Right, right, right. And right. she said, great. Now I'm going right to the parlor to get that tattooed in. Oh, oh my oh. God. But I've, I've also seen my face on on. A couple men have it on their butts, have my face completely on their butts. What? Wait a minute, like not right in the middle, so you'd, your face would be bisected, but sort of on either cheek? Yes, on one cheek is my face. Yeah. Wow. I have a tattoo of you getting your back shaved in Malcolm in the Middle on my back. That's, that's the iconic performance for me. That's good. Well, Brian Cranston, it is a joy to talk to you. But in fact, we've asked you here to play a little game of our own that we're calling Breaking Good. Aww. So as we have mentioned a few times, you starred in Breaking Bad. So we wondered about Breaking Good, that is safe driving. We're going to ask you three questions about driver's education. Get two right, you win our prize for one of our listeners. Bill, who is Brian Cranston playing for? Allison Lee of San Francisco, California. All right. You ready to do this? Yes. Here we go. Come on, Allison. Here's your first question. A 60-year-old woman was doing quite well recently on her driving test in Brazil, but she ended the day in jail. Why? A, because just as she was finishing, she swerved off the road to run over an agouti, a Brazilian rodent. B, because after she dented the car trying to park it at the end of the test, she attempted to bribe the test taker with some pot brownies. Or C, because she was actually her own son dressed up as his mother so he could take the test for her. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I'm attracted to that last one. See, I'm, I, that, that sounds so dramatic. You're right. right. Very good instinct. That's, in fact, what happened. And it would have worked, too. He's a heck of a driver. All right, next question. Driver's tests vary around the world. In Finland, for example, it can take three years of study to get your license, but in Egypt, it is much easier. 
To get your driver's license in Egypt, all you have to do is A, say vroom vroom while miming steering and shifting gears for one complete minute. B, get in your car, drive six meters forward, then six meters in reverse. Or C, cross your heart and swear to God that you won't run over anyone. <laughs> well, that's just silly. Uh, <laughs> although, I, I think it's going to be driving six meters forward and six meters back to pass your driver's test in Egypt. That's in fact true. They got the right answer again. I will say, if you've ever been to Egypt and been driven around, you would be forgiven for thinking any of those could have been true. All right. Last question. You can be perfect here. Most people who got driver's ed in American high schools were forced to watch horrible driver's ed films with bloody depictions of the consequences of unsafe driving. Which of these was a real driver's ed movie shown in American driver's classes? A, Highways of Agony. B, Appointment with Disaster. Or C, Red Asphalt 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. You know, I can see them making red asphalt one, two, three, and four, but five. Really? <laughs> what is there left to say then about the characters? I'm going to say B. You're going to say B, appointment with disaster. You're right. That was a real movie. I should say so were the other ones. They really <laughs> like to make these movies lurid. Bill, how did Brian Cranston do in our quiz? I am really impressed. So few guests get them all right, but you have a perfect score, Brian. Yeah. There you go. You're on top of the world. Brian Cranston is an Emmy and Tony Award-winning actor. His new movie, The One and Only Ivan, will be on Disney Plus as of August 21st. Brian Cranston, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Thank you, Peter. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Brian. In just a minute, guys, how are we going to get out of this frog? It's our listener limerick challenge. Call one wait wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the American Jewish World Service, working together for more than 30 years to build a more just and equitable world. Learn more at AJWS.org. The Americans with Disabilities Act was signed 30 years ago. So why, to this day, is the disability community still fighting for their rights? Listen now to learn what they're fighting for. On Throughline from NPR, every Thursday. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Tracy Clayton, Tom Bodette, and Joel Kim Booster. And here again is your host... A man whose hair must be down to his shoulders after five months of quarantine, right? Peter Segal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill goes berserk and goes on a rhyme pitch in our listener limerick challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one wait wait That's one 888 924 Right now, panel, some more questions for you from this week's news. Tracy, mm-hmm. Kraft has announced their brand new breakfast food offering. What is it? Is it cheese? It's cheese and... Oh, macaroni? Yes, mac and cheese. It's now a a breakfast food. Thanks to Kraft, they are releasing a new breakfast version of their famous macaroni and cheese dinner. It's exactly the same, except in the box, (laughs) they write the word breakfast. That's that's exactly how we got smoothies. Someone wrote breakfast on a milkshake. Mm -hmm. 
gonna say this has been around for years. It's called being poor in college, uh, <laughs> and <that's, Right. laughs> and just eating mac and cheese before noon. That's right. all it is. Well, it's like mac, mac and cheese, not just for lunch and afternoon snack and dinner and bedtime anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this makes it, me so sad. Why? I, because okay, so firstly, I don't know if it's like a cultural thing or what, but I did not know that um, white people really ate mac and cheese as like a dinner, like as as a dish. <laughs> it's supposed to be a side dish. They have a new slogan for the product: macaroni and cheese for breakfast. Sure, I'm so tired. <laughs> I have given up. <laughs> yeah, and if you're having a hard time getting on board with neon noodles for breakfast, don't worry. It's lunchtime. You woke up at noon. Yeah, make a two boxer in the morning, and then you just leave it on the stove and you eat it all day. <laughs> oh no, you don't want to try and leave Kraft macaroni and cheese out. Because um, if you thought it wasn't food before, just give it some time in the air. You know, <laughs> it returns to its plastic form. <laughs> Joel. Breaking up with someone is hard, but this week the BBC profiled an industry in Japan that offers a new way to end your relationship to avoid all the complications. It's a person you hire to do what? To break up with your partner for you. Yes, but how do they do it? Uh, oh, you, they they trick them into to cheating on the partner with Exactly them. right. This is how it works. You spend about $4,000 is what it costs, and an agent of this company will learn all about your significant other from their social media, then they engineer a chance meeting with them, then they continue to meet and make your partner fall in love with them so that your partner will then ruefully, maybe sadly, break up with you. That is, as a, mid, as a born and bred Midwesterner who knows passive aggression, that is next level and that I is applaud amazing. it on every level. Same. It's so much easier than sending a text <laughs> with the added benefits of being extremely expensive, taking much longer and being really weird. And then, and this is true, apparently part of the service, part of what you're paying for is, okay, it's worked, it's done, but then the person will continue to date your now ex just for a little while until mm. it breaks up naturally so they never are suspicious. Well, and that's not my problem anymore. Where yeah. do they find these <laughs> who work for this company? Because I, I need to know. know if they're hiring yeah. and where can I get an application? <laughs> Wait a minute. You want to work for this company? Hell you wanna, yeah, $4,000? You do this? Yeah. You'd like you'd be like my name is Clayton. I'm Stacy. <laughs> you, you get to stare at someone's social media for a while. Which you I get four thousand dollars, and there's no commitment. So it sounds great. Yeah, during a pandemic. Career. Yeah, you put it that way. Yeah, yeah. sign me up. <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight wait wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four, or click the contact us link on our website waitwait.npr.org. You can also check out the wait wait quiz for your smart speaker. It's Bill and me asking you questions and finally putting an end to the idea that the speaker is really all that smart. Hi, you're on wait wait. Don't tell me. Hi, this is Mary from St. Louis. Oh, how are things in St. Louis? We do hot really well here. Oh, I know. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do there in St. Louis? Well, I uh, am a psychotherapist. Oh, my gosh. How do you feel about that, Peter? 
<laughs> oh, you are one. <laughs> I imagine I imagine business is booming for you right now. People are really stressed out. Yes, right. This is really a, a rough time for people who need to be around other people a lot. And yeah. So do you have any, I imagine some of the people listening to us are feeling that. Do you have any sort of quick advice you could give them? Yes. Keep in touch with the people that you care about and, and reach out to people who uh, you feel may be feeling alone or isolated. Mm. Well, that's a good Aww. idea. I mean, that's all excellent uh, and very useful advice, but I have to tell you secretly, I was hoping you'd say drink a lot and play video games, but ah, oh, well. <laughs> well, Mary, welcome to the show. Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with the last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly and two of the limericks will be a winner. You ready to play? Oh, sure. Great. Well, then let's do it. Here is your first limerick. Our infection won't strike you as news, but that boat trip has marvelous views. When COVID rates dipped, we boarded a ship. And now we're sick because we went on a cruise. Yes, a cruise. Now, you may remember yes. from the distant past that coronavirus hit the passengers of cruise ships really hard because, well, basically they're giant floating Petri dishes, but with buffets. But the pandemic seems to be under control in Norway. So what did a bunch of people do to celebrate? They went on a cruise. And that cruise ship has reported 41 other passengers have tested positive for COVID-19. While all of the passengers tested positive for loving midnight ice cream Sunday stations. So <laughs> pandemic or not, cruises don't sound fun to me. I'm just oh, like no. out on the I ocean. Love a cruise. You do? You're a cruise guy? I'm I didn't know that, guy. I, I, I take jobs on cruises all the time much to the uh, the anger of my representatives my agents hate it because I, <laughs> really? I don't make any money and it's just fun for me well what is the going, appeal yeah you know catching eating COVID? at a sabaro at 3 a.m in the middle of the caribbean i mean come on <laughs> <laughs> that sounds literally like a nightmare i mean like you'd mm. wake up screaming you know, what's wrong it's like well i dreamt i was in the middle of the caribbean and <laughs> eating at a sabaro in the middle of the night with lots of strangers with questionable habits <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> See, the ones that I go on are for like young single people. So oh. it's it's a slightly different vibe, but yes. it is still the same Petri dish. Although I, I imagine on the kind of cruise you're talking about, Joel, there are even more vectors of infection. Oh, yeah. You want to stay away from the salad bar on those ones. <laughs> yeah. All right. Back to Mary. Mary, here's your next limerick. This insect swarm I'd like to veto. To them, we're just jeans-clad burritos. A tornado of bugs that will suck all our blood. It's a biblical storm of... Mosquitoes. Yes, mosquitoes. Yo. If you You're are right. exhausted by the pandemic, try mosquito tornadoes. In eastern <laughs> Russia, billions of mosquitoes are forming tornadoes rising hundreds of feet into the sky. This whole new thing to worry about, it's part of a mating ritual where hundreds of thousands of males swirl around, just one or two females trying to get near her. Ah, uh, do you guys remember going to bars? Story of my life, am I right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's not at all. That's it such a sound... sweet ending to that story. There's billions of mosquitoes, and the good news is they're there to make more. <laughs> and there are two very stressed out women in the center of this tornado. <laughs> all right, very good, Mary. Here is your last limerick. Being eaten may seem a tough scrape, but we beetles remain in good shape. We stay small and compact as we work through the tract. From the rear end, we'll make our... Oh, dear. 
appropriate response. Departure. Uh, Rhymes with scrape and shape. Escape. escape. Yes, yeah. escape. Very good, Mary. Mary. Biologists studying the water beetle finally discovered why it can survive even though it's constantly being eaten by its primary predator, the dark-spotted frog. It turns out these little guys, once they're swallowed by the frog, just crawl right down and out the frog's anus. That's right. Anus, it's a science word. So apparently 90% of the water beetles who get eaten by these frogs survive by doing that, which is, again, just crawling right out that frog's croaker. Come on, (laughs) dark-spotted frog. Chew your food. Here's the amazing thing, and I love this. So the scientists were like, okay, this is what happens. The beetles come out alive the other end. But is that just a natural accident of the frog's digestive system or the beetles actively doing it? So they actually, and I hate to think of these poor beetles, paralyzed some with like wax so they couldn't move and they fed them still alive to the frogs. Those beetles didn't come out, which means that there are beetles who get eaten by frogs and they're like, this again. All right. Here we go. I didn't know beetles could sigh. I think every animal can sigh now. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Bill, how did Mary do in our quiz? She did three in a row. Boy, she got them all right. Congratulations, Mary. (laughs) Way, yay. And uh, thanks for for the good work you do for people. I'm sure it's necessary, and I'm sure you're helping. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Mary. Bye-bye, Mary. Bye-bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Kay Buxbaum in support of the David Gilkey and Zabiula Tamana Memorial Fund, established to strengthen NPR's commitment to training and protecting journalists in high-risk environments. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as they can. Each correct answer is worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Tom has three points, Joel has three, and get this, Tracy has three. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All right, I'll just arbitrarily pick Joel to go first. Here we go, Joel. The clock will start when I begin your first question. Fill in the blank. On Wednesday, Defense Secretary Mark Esper said most administration officials believe the explosion in blank was an accident. Beirut. Right. On Monday, Novavax announced encouraging early trials for their blank vaccine. Corona. Yes, coronavirus. For the first time ever, Blank removed a post by President Trump citing coronavirus misinformation. Facebook. Right. On Tuesday, activist Cori Bush beat out longtime incumbent Lacey Clay during primaries in Blank. Missouri. Right. Thanks to a technical error, almost 200 people in Rhode Island received tax refund checks signed by Blank. Mickey Mouse and Walt Disney. (laughs) Yes. On Tuesday, it was announced that the live-action version of Mulan would skip theaters and premiere on Blank's streaming service. Disney's. Right. This week, an author known for his historical accuracy was called out for including a recipe for red dye containing ingredients that can only be found in blank. In the present day? No, in the Legend of Zelda video game. (laughs) After being informed of his mistake, historical novelist John Boyne admitted that he had done a quick search for red dye ingredients and didn't realize the instructions he were copying were from a video game website. This is easily... The most embarrassing slip-up from a historian since Doris Kearns Goodwin's team of rivals said that Lincoln's Secretary of State was Sonic the Hedgehog. Bill, how did Joel do in our quiz? He did very well. He had six right for 12 more points. He now has 15 and the lead. All right. 
Tracy, are you ready to do this? Because you're up next. Nope. Let's do it. Okay. Here we go, Tracy. <laughs> this week, Blank announced he would accept the Democratic nomination remotely. Biden. Right. On Wednesday, Iowa ended the lifetime voting ban for blanks. Felons. Right. This week, the National Park Service advised that you shouldn't blank if confronted by a bear. Uh, you should not run. No, you should not push your slower friend down in an attempt to save yourself. Disagree. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> this week, the city of Houston passed a $250 fine for anyone not wearing a blank. Mask. Right. This week, a woman in Oregon got famous after she was caught by Google Street View after she had just blanked. She had just uh, shoplifted. After she had gotten her head stuck in a trash can. Oh, that was my next guess. I bet it was. The Google Street View camera snapped a picture of the woman with her head fully inside an overturned garbage can. Now, we obviously can't show you the picture, but don't worry. Just imagine what it would look like if Oscar the Grouch had a sister who was born Breach. (laughs) Bill, how did Tracy Clayton do on our quiz? Tracy had three right for six more points. She now has nine, but Joel still has the lead with 15. How many, then, does Tom Bodette need to win it all? Six to tie, seven to win, Tom. All right, Tom, this is for the game. Fill in the blank. On Sunday, the White House announced it had no plans to delay the blank. Um, the election. Right. On Tuesday, President Trump encouraged voters in Florida, but only Florida, to request blank ballots. Uh, mail-in ballots. Right. This week, Tropical Storm Blank moved up the East Coast, leaving over two million people without power. I say us. I say us, right. According to a report, Deutsche Bank complied with a subpoena and handed over blank's financial records. Uh, President Trump's. Right. This week, a man in England accidentally burned down his apartment when he blanked. Uh, he tried to roast a pig in his no. living room. When he lit 100 candles to propose to his girlfriend in a romantic setting. She said yeah. yes, though. On Monday, yeah. the U.S. blank confirmed it was ending its 2020 count a month early. Uh, the Census Bureau. Right. Following outbreaks in the Miami Marlins and St. Louis Cardinals, blank sent out new revised protocols to teams. Major League Baseball. Right. This week, a plane carrying illegal drugs from Indonesia to Australia was intercepted by authorities after it blanked. Uh, It made a uh, completely um, incomprehensible radio call and ordered beer to meet them when they landed. No, the authorities uh, were able to intercept the plane because it crashed at takeoff because it had way too many drugs on it. The plane was smuggling over a thousand pounds of drugs and crashed almost immediately after taking off. Don't worry, everybody is fine. Well, actually, everybody is in jail, but no one died. Police suspect the plane was carrying mostly cocaine because it's such a coke thing to fly really high and then crash really hard a few minutes later. (laughs) Bill, did Tom do well enough to win? He did well. Uh, Six right for 12 more points. That means with a total of 15, he and Joel are tied this week. They are co-champions. Congratulations. Your prize, Joel, is you get to go on a cruise. Your prize, Tom, you don't have to. In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists, now that we've gotten rid of jeans, what will be the next thing that we all decide is too much trouble now that we never go out? But first, let me tell you that Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with no longer urgent haircut productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks, our public address announcer is Paul Friedman, our house manager is Gianna Capadona, our intern is Emma Day, our web guru is Beth Novi. B.J. Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, and Lillian King. Our super spreader is Peter Gwynn. Technical direction is from Lorna White, our business and ops manager. That's Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mike Danforth. 
Now, panel, now that jeans are out, what will we get rid of next? Tom Bodette. Nose hair trimmers. Big nose and ear hair is finished because we just don't care anymore. Tracy Clayton. Um, so when I say we, I don't mean me. I think in general, people are going to just stop showering. And Joel Kim Booster. Leg day at the gym. I am only working out the muscles that you can see on Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if any of that happens, we'll ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Joel Kim Booster, Tom Bodette, and Tracy Clayton. Thanks to all of you for listening. I'm so glad that we made it through another week together. We can do this again, man. We can do this standing on our heads. I'm Peter Sagal. We'll see you next week. This is NPR.